Hi, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. Is that the song? I can't remember. What, for the Angry Birds games? For the Angry Birds games, and also threaded through the movie soundtrack for both the first film and this, the Angry Birds movie 2. <gasps> we covered the Angry Birds movie, I think, was it episode 7, I'm going to say? It's definitely a previous episode, not a future episode. No, no time travel involved <laughs> no. on this podcast. But quite sadly. an early one, quite an early one. And um, gosh, it's so fun to now be doing films, uh, sequels to films that we covered way back when. Isn't it, Rory? Isn't it fun? Isn't it just? <laughs> I think we did the first episode because we were aware of the impending release of the sequel mm. so we wanted to get that done and out of the way before we tackled the new film which uh, has just come out in cinemas yes so it's very fresh in our minds and fresh in cinemas <laughs> it came out in the uk a couple of weeks ago and it's just come out in the states um we lucked out there i guess <laughs> yes we didn't get once upon a time in hollywood at the same time as america but we got mm-hmm. angry birds beforehand so, so any Ameri- who's laughing now <laughs> any american listeners who have been trying to avoid spoilers for angry birds 2 um can now rest easy you can go to the cinemas right now and watch it we will be having spoilers for that film <laughs> in this podcast though so what, angry birds 2 or once upon a time in hollywood angry birds 2 okay okay yeah i listened back to our first angry birds movie episode and i've rewatched angry birds uh movie one that's commitment uh, yeah so i've seen this twice i've seen this film at weekend of release at 10 a.m on a sunday morning because i wanted to get a kid's perspective though actually i guess i got a lonely man on his own in a cinema okay <laughs> on a sunday morning perspective and then i saw it again a few days ago um, just to watch it without any note-taking. Uh, have, how many times have you seen it? I saw it just the once. It was quite hard to find a screening after work, because it's the store holidays at the moment. Okay. It was quite hard to find a screening after 5pm, at least oh. at any kind of local cinema. But a screening I did find, it was in a quite a small screen, but it was very full, lots of families, lots of kids... What is the Angry Birds universe like right now? Because Angry Birds 1 came out in, what, 2014, I want to say? I think 2016. 2016. But I think at the time we were saying how it felt like the Angry Birds bubble had kind of burst then, when it had come out. And now we are two years later, and I see nothing but Minecraft everywhere. I don't see much Angry Birds stuff anywhere. What is life like in the old Angry Birds on Bird Island, as it were? Angry Birds 2, the video game, came out in 2015, and I think we mentioned it in the previous Angry Birds episode. And I hadn't actually played it at the time, but in anticipation of recording this podcast, I decided to download it. 
And there was a special movie tie-in event taking place. So the villain in the game, which is originally Chef Pig, apparently, Mm -hmm. uh, has been replaced by the villain in the Angry Birds 2 movie. And there's sort of associated ice-related stuff, I think, which plays a part in the movie as well. So it's much the same as the original game, based on what I played. A little bit changed for this modern game world with hefty amounts of microtransactions and reminders to purchase gems so you can unlock various different options. And I myself, in our first episode discussing Angry Birds, I said I found it a very frustrating experience. I thought it was much, it was less about skill and more about chance and I didn't enjoy it that much. But the yesterday I decided to download Angry Birds 2 and I really did enjoy it. I thought it flowed a lot better and it played a bit a lot better. And then I started it up again today and I was hit with ads about completing your daily quest and getting feathers. And I'm going through the app now. I've got I've got all these exclamation marks on a little micro treasure I can get. A free treasure. Oh, and I've unlocked some Ooh, playing card. Some black feathers to give to one of my birds. And I need apples to feed a hatchling. And I just got so stressed out just before I even got to a level. And so uh, I'm going to delete it on the way home, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the graphics are very nice. And um, it was fun to see uh, the main villain of the piece, uh, Zeta, floating around. Apart from the main games, as we mentioned, there have been multiple spin-offs. And this year, they've they still been releasing spin-offs. So earlier in the year, we had Angry Birds' first foray into virtual reality. We had Angry Birds' Isle of Pigs VR, which uh, is, looks quite nice. It's sort of a 3D version of Angry Birds, and you view the slingshot sort of from your perspective of the virtual reality. But what's nice about it is that it uses the models from the films. Mm-hmm. So the characters look like the film characters, which, are, you know, I think are good translations of the characters in the game. They look quite cute and charming. And there's also been a more direct film spin-off called Angry Birds uh, the Movie 2 VR Under Pressure. I Sorry, it's the full what's, the title? Name, what's the title again? I think Angry Birds Movie 2 VR Under Pressure. Okay. And that's a sort of asynchronous multiplayer co-op where one person is the VR and they play Captain Leonard, the king of the green piggies. Mm-hmm. And you have to navigate this piggy submarine, which features in the film, looking for sunken treasure. Whereas the other characters, uh, they see the action from the TV screen and it's kind of an overcooked catastronaut sort of thing where you have to you know yeah you have to do stuff to keep the submarine operating and functioning <laughs> um without it all kind of i don't know being hit by debris mm. in the ocean that sounded really boring up until that last bit because i envisage all these pigs suffocating because you've accidentally burst an air pipe or something yes, on those yes yes breach mm, i just i saw a 1 minute advert of that new VR experience and 30 seconds of it was the gameplay and the other 30 seconds was a family jumping around their sofa like they've got ants in their pants or something. So, anything more to say about Angry Birds the games? Yeah, not not so much to say but if you want our thoughts on the games more in general then just listen to our previous Angry Birds episode. Mm. 
But the Angry Birds movie, the sequel, I guess wasn't so much a a foregone conclusion, but the film did make uh, the first film did make quite a bit of money. But greenbacks, like the pigs. Yes. Mm-hmm. With this film, we have much of the same cast returning. Uh, alas, no Sean Penn. No. <laughs> Sorely missed. Sorely missed in his growling role. I think his growls have been replaced by those of Nolan North, I believe, who's best known for playing Nathan Drake in the Uncharted games. Yeah, I thought I recognised his growls. (laughs) But this film also has a new director, and the director is Thorup von Orman, Mm -hmm. who is perhaps best known as being the creator and the titular voice of the cartoon series The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack, which was a Cartoon Network show and a particular favourite of brother and occasional guest Hamish Steele on our podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, I um... never really watched too much of it, but I've uh, seen bits and pieces and I watched a few clips recently and I quite enjoyed what I saw. It's a little bit uh, unnerving and creepy, <laughs> but... Uh, very entertaining as well. Yeah, I watched a few episodes way back when, and I actually reacquainted myself with some episodes recently because um, I didn't know he was directing it, and I, I saw the film, and then I was looking through the trivia and went down the rabbit hole, and, oh, yeah, it's him. And uh, I think the show's delightful. I just think, because I don't have satellite TV, I find it quite difficult to watch some of these cult animated shows, so it really is only by the grace of Netflix, if I get to see these things. Yeah. And then they're lost amongst all the other shows coming out all on the set on the same day. While the show itself was relatively short-lived, it has had quite a bit of an impact, I think, in the animation industry in the mm. sense that, that some of the artists and writers from Flapjack have gone on to uh, create their own shows. So shows like Gravity Falls, Adventure Time, Over the Garden Wall were are, all... Are these all shows where one of the characters is a young boy with no filter and screeches a lot? Yeah, Because possibly. that seems to be the thing. <laughs> and um, that is kind of the box. I, 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 there are sh- I will admit there are shows I like which do follow that, but they have an uphill struggle. So like when Rick and Morty came out, I was very much like, oh, crikey another screechy child show and it took a it took a large chunk of episodes for me to get into the groove of that show but a lot of children identify with screechy kids because they're screechy kids themselves actually that's a big theme i feel about angry birds too um one of the joys watching it with uh, a young audience Uh, i watched it with young audience both times um (laughs) it didn't go to the, the, the midnight screening of angry birds too both times it was great to hear kids laughing at stuff which I thought was fine because when you when you work in kids animation and you're making a kids film, it's very important to make sure that you have stuff for the kids. But there's certainly periods where I thought, well, I guess it's funny that they're slow walking to turn down for what? But kids were like pissing themselves. Oh, that got the biggest reaction of all the needle drop song Mm. choices in the film the kids right next to me as soon as turned down for what played they Mm. were jumping up and down in their seats and i thought man i didn't realize kids were so into dj snake and little john (laughs) they clearly are cool so um you mentioned the director is any other talent we want to mention 
Well, there's also a co-director on the mm. project, John Rice, who was a storyboard artist on Angry Birds Movie 1 and has a background in storyboard artwork for things like Beavis and Butthead Do America, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simpsons Movie, a few others. But in interviews with uh, Thorpe Von Ullman, he's talked a lot about how the film was very heavily storyboarded and a lot of the jokes would come out of the storyboard sessions and actually... It was a very collaborative project in terms of using different members of the production team to sort of pitch ideas and jokes through these through these storyboards. You, I remember when Robert Rodriguez was making Sin City and he was talking about how we just used the panels of storyboards. You can't really do that with Angry Birds because the game <laughs> is just <laughs> flying left to right and hitting walls. Well, the, in the same interview I saw, there was the producer, uh, John Cohen, and he mentions that with the first film, their focus was on bringing the video game to life and adapting the video game. Hence the fact that they had to introduce rather strange elements like mm. page-stealing eggs and slingshots and trampolines and, you know, knocking into towers to destroy Pig Island's metropolis. Uh, with this film, they said that they can kind of tell an original story this mm. time. They don't have to adhere to the mechanics of the video game somewhat. Of course, inevitably, there is some carryover from the first film, but they <laughs> don't have to necessarily, you know, utilize all those elements. And that's why they went with a plot involving the birds and the pigs teaming up to mm. defeat a new threat, because that doesn't really happen in the games. No, I very much got that vibe and it's weird because the first time i saw this film i felt i liked it a bit less than the first movie and the second time i watched it i feel i liked it a little bit more i think we'll go into this a bit more but i think it's a lot to do with the third acts or the, the second halves of angry birds one versus the second half of angry birds two which Angry Birds 2, again, being, seems very much less influenced by the game mechanics of the video game. So why not hit us with a plot? And since you don't have a video box to hand, this is the perfect opportunity for a time-travelling Harry and or Rory to appear with a video box. No? Okay. So what we're going to do instead is go to sonypictures.com and uh, read... I guess a press release or something. Yes, this is from the official Angry Birds Sony Pictures website, and it reads, The flightless Angry Birds and the scheming green piggies take their beef to the next level in the Angry Birds movie too. When a new threat emerges that puts both Bird and Pig Island in danger, Red, Jason Sudeikis, Chuck, Josh Gad, Bomb, Danny McBride, and Mighty Eagle, Peter Dinklage, Recruit Chuck's sister Silver, Rachel Bloom, and team up with Pigs Leonard, Bill Hader, his assistant Courtney, Aquafina, and Tech Pig Gary, Sterling K. Brown, to forge an unsteady truce and form an unlikely super team to save their homes. Sorry, that was mainly just cast and <laughs> character names. Well, it'll help me remember him at least. We've discovered a third island. We need to put aside our differences and work together. To save our world from being destroyed, what we really need is a hero. Actually, that position's been filled. Booyah! Are you kidding me? I have to get a team together. We're busting you out. Ah! Stop 
This is my sister, Silver. She's super smart. Wait, who's that? And why is she all over these achievement awards? I just don't think this is gonna work. Okay, so unusually angry. Talk to herself. Self-esteem issues. Uh, left-handed, probably a witch. Have fun being alone. I like her. Next, we're gonna need some muscle. A boa constructor. Well, that got dark. Okay, guys, step one, travel undetected to the island. All the gadgets you'll see here have been designed with your current mission in mind. The first being Invisispray. Whoa! How long does the invisibility last for? Forever. Wait, what? Tina, we're not going to be able to see each other tonight. It's the final countdown! Okay, so what's the plan? Trust me, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Working with what we got. It's the Lava tube. I don't know if I'm gonna fit. Just yeah. suck in your butt. <laughs> Does anyone smell bacon? So you don't really need to have seen the first film uh, to enjoy Angry Birds 2. I actually saw this with somebody who had never seen Angry Birds 1, and the first thing he saw were birds flying in the sky using slingshots. And he turned to me and he went, why don't they just fly? <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> the plot of the first film. It did actually take me a while to remember. Oh yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, they don't fly. <laughs> that's the whole flipping point. And I guess it's the whole joke about how when pigs might fly, um, which I guess happens in this. But hey, guess what? They did a bit of retconning, I think, um, in between. Angry Birds 1 and Angry Birds 2 because uh, in my rewatch of Angry Birds 1 well it does have a happy ending where Red is uh, reintegrated into society they make a joke to show how everyone kind of forgets it was Red who saved the day at the end of Angry Birds 1 it is Mighty Eagle which gets the cred and there's a statue where it shows Red kind of carrowing and being a bit useless that changes in between Angry Birds 1 and 2. Perhaps it's because there's been this ongoing uh, war of attrition between the piggies and the birds. Because at the start of Angry Birds 2, there's posters of red and everyone loves red, don't they? Maybe he's just doing his own propaganda campaign. Maybe. And he's sort of manipulating and brainwashing the bird populace into believing that he's the uh, hero all along. So if there's all the, there are all these missiles going back and forth between Piggy Island and Bird Island and one missile almost hits uh, our angry birds but they shout duck and in the first hilarious joke that a actual duck sunbathing gets hit. I wondered if that duck could fly though. I do wonder because like a lot of this plot is based on the eagles right and I guess if you're trying to come up with an idea for Angry Birds 2 you think, well, what, what threads are left angling in Angry Birds 1? And I guess there's a question, where does this flight, flighty bird come from? Where does the eagle come from? He's got his own island. So maybe the third film will be all about ducks. They also have, for instance, they were not aware of pigs in the first film, mm. and yet they have other wildlife. We see dogs, we see cows, dogs, we see seals. We? The main villain has a dog. Oh yes, sorry. I was, I was thinking about the first film for some reason. Yes, but there's just this this world of other animals that exist, except pigs, clearly, because mm -hmm. they're shocked to discover pigs in the first film. 
and they think that their island is the whole world until a second island is introduced in the first film, which we see Bird Island from Piggy Island. You know, you can see both islands mm-hmm. from each other. So I don't know what's happened if they weren't didn't spot them in the first film at all. You know, unless there's been some sort of continental shift right. which has moved the islands closer together. I don't want to blow your mind, but this is a cartoon. <laughs> and well, so, and so yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. How they mention Beyonce later on and things. Where I'm thinking, here's a cartoon. <laughs> but that's the that's the point, and it's an interesting one because we talk quite a bit about how animation is is a medium to tell a story but with angry birds movie 2 and i'd say also with the first film the thing is is that it is also a cartoon and i think a cartoon is a bit different to an animation not all animations are cartoons but all cartoons are animations to an extent so a cartoon i would say it's not some a way to demean it or diminish it, you say, like, oh, it's not an animated movie, it's a cartoon. But what I would say is that a cartoon is sort of aware of its own cartooniness. So it means that logic and physics can be bent and broken in a way that, say, a film which just is a story set in the real world but just happens to be animated, maybe can't quite as much as this. So it means it can have very stretchy physics. It means it can reference humans such as Beyonce, Ice Cube, Vanilla Ice and Ice Tea. So I would say (laughs) this is a cartoon and it knows it and it plays with cartoony natures and it was just nice to see an animated movie at the cinema which was also a feature-length cartoon. It's very much like a Warner Brothers, like a classic Warner Brothers cartoon. Um, there is silliness. And yes, it's a good, very good point. Uh, the second time I saw this, I actually saw Toy Story 4 right afterwards. And I think that's very much an animated movie. For example, if Andy jumped out of the first floor window and landed headfirst onto the pavement, <laughs> Toy Story 4 would have played that very straight. Yes, he wouldn't have a bump on his head yes. come up and little tweety go round. <laughs> no. So, yeah, very, very good point there. But that's what the thing with those gags at the start. So you have the sort of duck. I liked the bit when the pigs unleash an army of crabs... And then one of the crabs just goes and steals a bird's wallet and does a little mm. dance ring. <laughs> yeah. So there's these nice little uh, little gags here and there peppered throughout this sort of prank wars, I think they call them. Yeah. I mean, we delved deep into the hidden layers of Angry Birds 1, where we viewed it as potentially a retelling of the Native American experience. As this film began, I worried it was going to be like a Middle Eastern conflict or some sort of ongoing war of attrition. But uh, quite quickly, a truce is drawn up because um, Piggy Island gets attacked, doesn't it? A big ball of ice. Yes. Uh, They don't understand the concept of frozen water. (laughs) That's Um, a good gag. But they have a big ball of ice which has landed on their island and they send all these truce balloons, little green balloons, over the way. Uh, to declare a truce, but Red believes it is just another prank. Or does he believe it's just another prank? Because he has seen a giant ice ball himself and hasn't really declared anything about it, but he is too busy being Mm. the hero that he fears that peace between 
the birds and the piggies will result in him being lonely once again with no pigs to fight against. Yeah, it won't give him a purpose. Yeah, it won't give him a purpose. He won't have the same... I don't think he's doing it for, like, you know, the adulation. I think he's just doing it all the attention. He's, you know, wants to keep this war going to an extent um, because he just doesn't want to be uh, considered an outcast again. So there is a difference, yes, in Red, in this. In the first film, he um, he wanted to be accepted. Um, although he was like, angry, he, he wanted to be accepted. But I think in this one, it's about how he has to learn to be part of a team and that he can't be... He might not always be the smartest man or bird in the room. <laughs> you, you are right, he had seen Ice before... But that was we see that in a flashback, and I think he just didn't think so much of it. So I think he hadn't really thought about it too much. And I do think the main reason why he doesn't want to accept this truce is is less about suspicion and, and more about need, you know, needing something to do. Because as soon as the truce is declared, he ends up getting so bored, he ends up like, like eating popcorn in on his own in his house, drinking butter... And that really threw into sharp relief the whole American thing about butter on your popcorn. <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> what? You just... just re- I once decided to put Maltesers in my popcorn as some sort of treat. And quickly learned that putting Maltesers into hot popcorn creates horrible chocolatey brown fingers. I despair. Do you eat it with a spoon? Hmm. I just don't... <laughs> I mean... America's got problems with its president and its gun control, but I think the butter popcorn situation, I think, really needs to be nipped in the bud, okay? We get the title right after that first ice ball hits, but where are the ice balls coming from? They are coming from Eagle Island, the hitherto unknown third island. Much like Pokemon 2000, we have three islands with the three elements, ice pigs and birds yeah <laughs> but they have been launched by a big purple is she an eagle i think she's maybe a parrot or some sort of bird of so paradise zeta is her name zeta is her name portrayed by leslie jones mm. I, I i mean clearly she has passed with eagles because it turns out later on that she is the ex fiance Mm-hmm. of Mighty Eagle, but I don't know enough about ornithology to mm-hmm. to determine exactly what breed of bird she is. I think you should um, visit an ornithologist and not leave until you have an answer as to what type of bird Zeta is. And you'll go, so the bird in Angry Birds 2, what kind of bird is it? And he'll be like, um... It's a made-up bird. <laughs> what kind <laughs> of bird is bomb? kind of bird, yeah. <laughs> Well, bomb, what bird explodes? <laughs> what do you think about um, Leslie Jones's performance in this? Have you have you seen uh, the Lego Movie Part Two yet? No. I got serious vibes of that film in this. I'm not going to spoil anything, but both films, both sequels, feature a main villain who's like an sassy lady voiced by an African American comedian. Um, slash actor, um, head of their own army or country or whatever, and they've got marriage on the brain as well. Um, and actually, in the Lego Movie 2, the character's called Queen Whatever I Wanna Be, 
played by Tiffany Haddish, who plays Debbie, Zeta's daughter, in this. So, um, yeah, got major vibes. I have to admit, I, I personally felt Queen Whatever I Wanna Be was better than Zeta. But it might be because she got songs in the Lego movie too. But what did you what did you think of Zeta as a, as a, as an antagonist? Despite the fact the first film needed to reference the games more than this one, in a way I felt that the first film had a better plot, and I think I preferred the piggies as villains. I liked the fact that you still get piggies here even if they're teamed up and they become friends, because it just means you get more pigs and you get more Leonard, and I like that character, and I like Bill Hader's voice performance for mm. that as well. So getting more of it here is great. But I feel like the plot and the antagonism there is just more interesting in the first film. With this, I liked that despite her being spurned by Mighty Eagle, when that comes to the fore or towards the end of the movie, she doesn't view that at all as being the reason. It's not a revenge thing no. that she's deciding. She just basically wants to take over the islands and destroy them so she can have a holiday home away yeah, from her I find frosty quite, paradise. I find that's quite weak, I feel. Yeah, I th I, I'm not saying that it should have been that revenge plot, but it is like sort of a throwaway gag and while that's sort of amusing in the delivery of it it does mean that the whole film feels a bit slight as a result mm. so yeah I, I I liked the eagles and the guards and the army that she has a bit more than her I didn't understand what was going on with Debbie until the very end mm. it's just this sort of weird little screechy character and I couldn't work out whether she was a sidekick and turns out she's just her daughter. I, I I don't think it's a problem necessary with the performance and I like the design of the character, mm, but I definitely. just didn't really feel like it was a very interesting threat they were up against. Yeah, I would have to agree. And as I mentioned earlier, I had feelings about the second half of this film. And yeah, my, my thing is about how these, these two films compare, Angry Birds 1 and Angry Birds 2. I think Angry Birds 1 has the better plot and Angry Birds 2 is just a bit funnier because Angry Birds 2 has the same sort of sight gags that Angry Birds 1 did, but it's just done a bit better. A case in point... One of the eagles is reading a book called Crazy Rich Avians at one point. And I remember talking about how there were sight gags in Angry Birds 1 pertaining, which were like 50 shades of green, mm. which was so like, oh, that's not funny. That's, ugh. <laughs> and then Crazy Rich Avians is exactly the same sort of gag, but there's some, there's some, there's, it's cleverer at the end <laughs> of the day. On the pun scale, it's slightly higher. Yeah. And, um, but also, yes, I think you, you, you touched upon this a moment ago. Uh, Angry Birds 1, by being forced to include the stuff you recognise from the games, it was forced down this rather idiosyncratic path. Mm. And um, that, that, that sort of plot weirdness, followed by a very, very dynamic 
Angry Birds sequence where they're catapulting into the castle and destroying the castles. That sort of stuff is lacking on Eagle Island, which is completely covered in snow, so visually it's not so interesting. It's all kind of a bit white and a bit dull. Um, Zeta pops because she's bright purple, but all the guards are kind of grey on white, It's just and it's just not as visually dynamic in the second half of Angry Birds 2. And annoyingly, you can, I couldn't find this in 3D because I did want to see Angry Birds 1 in 3D because uh, that would have really suited it. And I rewatched it on Netflix uh, the other day and you can see all the beaks swinging out into frame mm. and stuff. None of that sort of stuff happens in the second half. And, you know, visually it looks a bit a bit less interesting. And, yeah, the plot is is not... The pigs are going to eat their children. <laughs> the, the plot is she kind of wants a holiday home and, and the eagles are following her for some reason. I got the impression that Leonard in the first film, he was the smartest because all the pigs in that first film were depicted as completely stupid. That slightly changes in this one. I feel that the secondary pigs were just a little bit smarter this time around. But these eagles seem to just follow her because i don't know just to add to that as well as you were saying about having to do an idiosyncratic finale because of the nature of the first film with this one instead it's very much oh it's a mission Mm. it's a team going on a sort of spy mission to infiltrate a, a layer in a frozen volcano mm. and it just sort and of if- then uses this the kind of tropes that you see in any dozens of animated kids films yeah and and just live action films in general yeah <laughs> yeah i mean incredibles pops out in my mind i suppose that's like one of the that's like a really great james bond movie halfway through isn't it um yeah and so okay we have been a little bit down on the plot for a bit but yeah it's that that is my issue i'm done i'm done living on this frozen seal infested island fire another ice ball if there was a problem yo what the (gasps) oh crap we're gonna need a bigger slingshot so anyway while uh leonard and the piggies are dealing with the giant ice ball from from zeta um what are the birds doing in order to get Red a little bit out of his shell, Chuck and... Sorry, I didn't acknowledge that. That's a bird joke. So anyway, carry on. His friends, Chuck and Bomb, decide to take him to a speed dating night. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you want to talk anything about Red, Chuck and Bomb? We sort of were introduced to them in the first film, but... Yeah, I, I like how they become a, a friendly unit. Um, all too often in sequels, the characters sort of reset um, so as to have what you liked the first time. But whereas Red is still very much the uh, voice of reason uh, in this, although, again, a big plot thread is how he he might not be as smart as he thinks he is all the time, it was a joy to return to the company of Chuck who I really enjoyed in Angry Birds 1, a voice by Josh Gad. And um, he was perhaps the funniest thing in the second, in this one. Um, he's just got a, a beautiful, beautiful voice. He's different from Olaf, who he also plays in Frozen, in that he's, he's just a sassy bird. And he's a, a little bit um, 
cheeky, I guess. He does remind me, out of all the characters, more like a Bugs Bunny sort of classic Warner Brothers character. Yes, you do half expect him at some point to go full Daffy Duck and go, <laughs> Yes, very much. Go, I think you should do that more often in your day-to-day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just when I'm the on office. the bus. <laughs> <laughs> you should do that a go. You'll get, you get space to yourself, I suppose. It's okay. I'm just being Daffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you put your trousers on, please. <laughs> um, bon, though. Bon, right? I thought he was kind of boring. Bomb is just played by Danny McBride. Bomb is just a lunk kind of character. I don't know. He's a bit stupid. Mm-hmm. He's a bit big. And he just explodes when required of the plot. Mm. And of course, uh, Terence, uh, played by Sean Penn in the last film, um, doesn't really feature at all in this, which I thought was a good idea. Though he is now. Married to his counsellor, Matilda. Yes, who had previously leafed through his Mm. anger management file with such horror, but clearly it was enough to Mm. turn her on. Yeah, clearly she's into that sort of thing. (laughs) Ooh, real bad boy. (laughs) Uh, So how do little kids go on speed dates? I haven't... No. (laughs) I haven't... I haven't uh, been around many playgrounds lately, and so I don't know... Good. I don't know if any speed dating's happening. Um... It seemed like a really weird thing, really weird scene to have. Well, like how we said in the first film, it all starts with courtroom trial and anger management classes. True, true. It's just, here's a rather, you know, adult thing that's taking place, but just roll with it. It's a kid's film and they'll just wait until there's another butt joke. Kids across the world are definitely having their first experience of speed dating via this film. The only thing I can remember from the scene is the, uh, well, again, going back to Danny McBride, he he talks about how he eats dirt. Bomb's opening gambit when he's on a speed date is, I eat dirt. There's just a level of stupidity, and that that joke just didn't work for me. That just, that character doesn't work for me, but hey, I guess he's one of the main trio, isn't he? The speed dating sequence introduces us to one of the new main characters, who was also introduced in the Angry Birds 2 game, though looking a little bit different in terms of her design here. This is the character Silver, played by Rachel Bloom. I mean, you mentioned her appearance because, yeah, in the uh, trivia section of the Angry Birds wiki, it says she has two long strands of grey hair sticking out from her head. She has eyelashes, thin eyebrows, which is not a feature on the male birds, and white breast feathers with small breasts seen from her side view. Okay. <laughs> Seems like goes into creepy detail there, but I suppose... That was that... written by a hornithologist. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yes, I'm an expert in hornithology, I, I guess. <laughs> but yes, we are introduced to uh, Silver, but we don't know that she'll be a main character until a little bit later on. Um, she decides to do like a form to study whether or not she will be compatible by Red. This is their meet cute, isn't it? But she is also Chut's sister, Mm. and it was Chut's suggestion to take them speed dating. So Mm. did he know his sister was going to be there? Because later on, he is very anti the idea of Red, or I don't know whether it's anyone, but particularly Red from dating Mm. his sister. Very protective. There's a moment which I think is a nice 
touch it it seems like the kind of thing based on what i've seen of flapjack that you do there's it's like a very cartoon network or maybe nickelodeon thing where it just kind of cuts to chuck's face staring <laughs> down into the camera extreme close-up basically threatening red with murder if he so much as asks his sister out on a date it's like a very intense couple of seconds yeah which I, made I, me laugh. I wrote down his um dialogue he just segways sexways he segways into you know, i will crush every bone in your body yeah with a sort of very deep scary filter on mm, it i don't understand the whole sister protective thing i guess is protecting your sister's virtue but yes that would have been awkward if they both met on a speed date silver her thing is that she is super smart she teaches at avian academy and chuck is really proud of her mm. and i think that's one of the messages the film wants to put across in fact part of the promotion of this film was a tie-in with the She Can STEM campaign, STEM meaning science, technology, engineering, maths, <laughs> mathematics, or math if it's in the American. But the idea of getting girls interested in those sort of areas, those fields, so mm-hmm. that later on in life there's a bit more of a gender balance in um, those fields. So, you know, very positive message. And at the end, there's one of the hatchlings saying, I to be an engineer mm. just like silver yeah um, so i think that's nice to have a character who you know because it's quite easy to have the boffin brainiac nerd character make that a girl sure but everyone's like okay egghead okay so and so but this is that everyone's like proud of her and looks to her and the reason why red is maybe a bit condescending is not because oh, she's just a girl, or that kind of thing. He's just very stubborn about anyone potentially invading his role as hero, as leader. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it will, the plan. Yeah, because that will um, mean that he has no position and he has no worth anymore. Mm. He could be two things, though. He could also be a misogynist. Yes, that is possible. Low this isn't misogyny. the misogynist birds movie, though. I mean, they kind of end up I suppose, as an item at the end. And and maybe the third film could be just totally about how he gaslights her and is a horrible, 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 horrible bird. Oh, I'm sure he's a terrible bird friend, (laughs) boyfriend. Mm. Subsis. Chuck! I'm I'm so so happy to... It's really... Hello? You in here? Hello? Wait, you know this guy? Yeah, this is one of my best buddies, Red. And these are the guys. Hey, we're the guys. Guys... This is Silver. Oh, wow. It is such a pleasure to meet, not you, but you. <laughs> May I shake your hoof? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what do we think of Silver in general? I I did like her. I feel like I have to skate on thin ice a little bit because I'm just speaking as a bloke. Um, I feel she might fall into the subsection of, of female characters who, who can't have any faults because they want to big her up so much. Mm. And I think it's better if female characters can have flaws. But, but, and this is a big but, it actually gives the team, I think, much more interesting flavour if they aren't all a collection of idiots. So 
She brings balance to the force. She brings balance to the force. And, you know, we had, like, Matilda in the first film, who is meant to be anger management, but she is also, I think, she's very highly strung and stressed herself. I see what you mean. There was, for instance, with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. they were talking a lot about how in the first series, Sweet D, Caitlin Olsen's character was very much a, come on, you guys, to the guys. Like, the mm. guys would do all these kind of hilarious stuff and she'd just be going, ah, oh, come on, you guys, come on, you guys. Mm. And there's a danger of Silver being that sort of thing. But I think the fact that everyone likes her apart from Red, it's like she's a bit more balanced in that way. And then, you know, later on, another series of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, she's just as horrible as everyone else. And that's very amusing. You know, it's nice to have that applause. And I guess you do have... Zeta as the villain is a sort of female villain and stuff and she definitely has flaws because she Mm. wants to destroy islands with molten lava Um, (laughs) so I guess it works out in the end but I like Rachel Bloom I enjoyed she was uh, the lead and co-creator of Crazy Ed's Girlfriend Mm -hmm. and uh, that's a very entertaining show and I think she gave a very uh, nice performance here and uh, apparently she does her own singing in the film just as Josh Gad did. Really? <laughs> um, well, according to yeah. the director on yeah, Twitter. So, uh, yeah, earlier today I was reaching out on the old film Twitter because um, uh, there's a, a sequence in which our birds are all singing to um, a piece of um, opera, which I couldn't quite remember. And so I reached out on film Twitter and I asked about it. I consequently remembered it myself and felt very clever, but uh, the the director did um, say that that Josh Gad and um, what's Rachel Bloom Rachel Bloom did their own opera singing. I think that might not be true. I think it's possibly true. Really? Yeah, because they're both known for their singing. I think it was a. I th- Anyway, it was from Madam Butterflies. I might need to see the film a third time to confirm as they're at, as if it was their actual singing. Whether they because sang... Danny, Danny Mc, sorry to interrupt, but Danny McBride also joins in, and I don't think he's got that range. No, but on Wikipedia it says who does the singing voice for Danny McBride. That's true. So oh. I would say they did their own singing. Oh wow, doubly impressed then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if uh, if uh, you're listening, thanks for the info. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thorpe. It's around about this point, having having returned from the speed dating, feeling all sad, that uh, Leonard comes to make peace with Red, despite their antagonistic relationship. I would notice how Leonard is never really ever referred to as Mudblood in this. Mudbeard, mud not Mudblood. Thinking of Harry Potter there. Yeah, that was a weird thing in the Angry Birds 1. And they, I think they um, made the right choice but just by ignoring that. It's quite nice to have this pig called Leonard with his distinctive beards. I think the, the pigs in the first film were all kind of generic looking. by Kind of by design. But because a lot more is expected of the pigs in this, um, we get Sterling K. Brown's character. Gary. And, uh, oh, what's... um. Her, his sidekick calls it Courtney. Courtney, always on her phone, played by the wonderful Aquafina. I've seen her in Oceans Eight, and um, she was in Crazy Rich Asians, and she kind of steals the show every single time she's there. What do you think about their relationship in this film? Because I guess, as much as I enjoyed this one knock, 
I have against this is I feel that Red and Leonard should have been at each other's throats just a little bit more throughout the film. Well, when Leonard shows up at his door, Red does rightly say, you tried to eat our unborn children, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, you know... Come on! I mean, who hasn't? It's it's certainly a chip one would have on your shoulder if, if that was the case. But they're unborn. <laughs> Let's not get into That's an a different debate. debate. Um, yes, Red should maybe be a bit more antagonistic, but I think like Leonard is a bit more in charge of mm. the power struggle that they have. And there is this weird line, though, because uh, Leonard has got his intel from Eagle Island by using a drone. He says he's been using these drones to spy on Bird Island as well. And Red says, so you've seen... And Leonard goes, yes, and it's disgusting. That's a, that's a, that's a wank joke, isn't it? You don't know that. What else disgusting things could Red be doing? I was thinking scatological. Yeah, you would, though. Yeah. You? Another gag which got maybe... a one of the biggest reactions yeah. was when they make their way to Eagle Island and they go on the Piggy submarine, mm-hmm. which uh, is where they do the opera song for some reason. And they go to Gary's high-tech Q-esque gadget lab. And that, that submarine seems to be mostly a lab. Yes. <laughs> but one of the gadgets that Gary has in his arsenal is just pig snot. Mm-hmm. And when Bomb... Decided to eat a little bit of pig snot. All the kids went, Eww. I I think the pig snot was perhaps the most gorgeous looking thing in the film. <laughs> Has all these little air bubbles in it and it glistens. It looks just like, like lime jelly. And I really wanted a nice big lick of that pig snot. But... Uh, There's a cinema promotional tie-in mm. they could have had. Yeah, delicious. Um, Could have added that to your popcorn. Instead of butter... Snot. Snot. Green snot popcorn. I prefer crispy snot, though. (laughs) Again, something for the kids, the old... um, And I do like a Q branch scene. And uh, Sterling King Brown's character, he's uh, a lot of fun. Putting on a bit of a British accent. And he's not British. But uh, I enjoyed it nonetheless. So the posse arrive at Eagle Island... And, um, yeah, to the needle drop, turned down for what? Also, shortly thereafter, we have a uh, another needle drop, which is uh, from Dawson's Creek. I don't want to wait. And, and why is that? There's a flashback to Mighty Eagle and Zeta's early courtship in the 1990s. Which was very much like the humans' 1990s, <laughs> uh, where they have a, a flock buster video. That was more skirting the line of the Angry Birds 1 um, type jokes, I suppose. Yeah, we, it's quite fun to see the 90s flashbacks. It's, I mean, going back to Peter Dinklage, he's, he's got a fantastic voice and it's really fun that he gets to play this complete charlatan. He's, 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 and he actually says to his crew, you might not have noticed, but I'm actually extremely cowardly. And um, mm. yeah, that got a big old laugh from the audience. He flies off, though, as I mentioned, so... He got all the way here, but he flies off, leaving just uh, Red, his his two bird friends, uh, Leonard, and his two piggy pals. Behind Red's back, they 
Everyone else formulates a plan to get in, and Red feels kind of affronted by this. He feels like he's not being involved again. I feel he overreacts, <laughs> but it's also not nice to be in a big team and they've all formulated a plan without your involvement. Mm. You know, just everyone else got a, a heads up to the old Trojan Eagle meeting. Why not me? I feel like I identify Red more than I'd like because sometimes I struggle to work with a team and oftentimes the team I'm with are idiots. <laughs> you just started a new job. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. We'll see. <laughs> I've not. I've not started that. I've not been there long. Harry, what are your strengths? I don't like working with a team, mm. and most of the time they're idiots. Yeah, I wish. You're hired. <laughs> I wish you could be a bit honest sometimes. He he stomps off, and to Silver's credit. Um, she decides to go with him. Yes, because she realises that he's going to need her help because he's a little bit useless. Yes. Um, but what what is this plan that they had come up with behind Red's back? Their plan was to dress up in a big eagle outfit. Mm-hmm. And I think this is maybe the strongest portion of the film because I think with the animation here they're all trying to operate this rather raggedy janky eagle outfit and pass themselves as one of the uh, sort of staff mm. of the eagle layer. I mean there's a few things going on here because yes it's that cartoon thing where it would not pass muster at all. It's also a very stupid plan but they're going to stick to it. But it kind of proves that with, with teamwork, they actually do pretty much get to their objective doing this silly plan, don't they? Yeah, it does help that the guards are sort of idiots. Although <laughs> one of them was... One of them they convince that they're the new staff member and the other one sees completely through it but can't really do anything about the fact that... You know, well, they've his, been sort of let in. Well, his superior is fooled, and there's a, the superior goes, I think I know who you are. You are... And then his subordinate goes, um, Imposters in disguise! You are the new guy! And then the uh, subordinate goes, uh, What? what? <laughs> and he just sort of just plays along. He's like, Okay, I'll let them in then. I quite liked the eagle guards in, in general, just in terms of the design. There's one yeah. incredibly buffed guard... <laughs> who's able to reload his abs. Yeah. Which reminded me of the guy in DOA, Dead or Alive, who can reload his oh, arms. Oh, yeah. It felt like a very sort of Ren Stimpy sort of thing as well, just kind of pronounced and kind of disgusting ab muscles. Yeah. On an eagle, which seems <laughs> a bit weird, but then I remember how Mighty Eagle, in the first film, there was a 2D animation where his... His six-pack had its own six-pack. And as it's a kid's film, lots of butts. A whole lot of butt jokes. Maybe one of the strongest sequences is literally toilet humour. Mm. Because in order to infiltrate the base, they need to swipe a security card from one of the eagle guards. And there's this whole routine where their janky old eagle costume is standing side by side with this other eagle at a urinal. 
and its eye keeps sort of looking down suspiciously, and then they have to stand next to it. And in a gag lifted directly from Austin Powers in Goldmember, mm-hmm. uh, Chuck has to fill his mouth with water and spray <laughs> it everywhere in the urinal next to the eagle to mimic pissing. Yeah. it's it's So this is a, a U-rated movie for very young kids, but... All kids go to the toilet, Rory, so um, I think... Not my kids. Not my kids, no. <clears throat> okay, Courtney, get that card. There's something in the way. Chuck, what's going on down there? There's a fire in the way. Maybe it's on the other side. Okay, hold on. Great cinematic comedies often have just these lovely little scenes, self-contained scenes, and this is one of them. I do think this is one of the funniest bits of the film. And, and yeah, a lot of it again is with the animation and the physicality mm-hmm. that they're able to achieve. For instance, like when they arrive on Eagle Island, and it's it's a very obvious gag. They just slide down this ramp from the submarine because it's all slippery in the ice Mm -hmm. but just the way they flop on their faces and you know the different speeds they fall down and slide down it's just they absolutely like look like cuddly toys yeah it's just really nice timing i did like the the uh snow suits they're wearing they Mm. felt very they look very squidgy and tactile Mm. yeah i wanted to cuddle all of them the toilet scene ends with the uh and this eagle ends up pretty much knocking itself out by uh, Chuck grabs hold of his key card which is on a tether and when a tether snaps back it hits the eagle in the head and he falls over they manage to escape being caught because one of the eagle guards thinks the raggedy movements of the fake eagle costume is a cue for a breakdance battle yeah I hmm I don't I don't feel the logic of this i I know it's a kid's film, I know it's a cartoon, but it's a good thing these eagles just have to dance when they see another bird dance. Um, And there's a sequence in in Zootropolis slash Zootopia where some guards happen to be wolves and the way they get around this is the main characters, they sort of howl themselves, which causes the wolves to howl. And that was like a clever way to sort of feed into the whole animal aspect. But here... That's discriminatory. Yeah, but... (laughs) Against wolves. Are are eagles known to to dance? Eagles are well known for their bright dancing capabilities. I suppose so. You learn something (laughs) new every day. I mean, there is a bit of a clever bit later on, though, where Bomber's instructed to take out the guards when we cut to them all in a bar 
doing the baby shark song dance and uh but it's clever that they he takes them out in this way i thought that was funny but maybe we should talk about the needle drops because boy howdy there are so many needle drops in the second half of this film it's like uh people who can't exist without a second of silence in their lives (laughs) it does feel a little bit like your head is trapped in a an ever-shifting jukebox. There, there is a sequence where we have, hello, is it me you're looking for? When a cute seal who keeps popping up um, is having a romantic dinner with a frozen dog. Uh, we have the final countdown when we have a countdown clock happening. And then we have Leonard skating around in a onesie with I'm too sexy for my shirt. And... It's all just, the hits of today. All the hits <laughs> of the day and it's very on the nose. And maybe, just maybe, there could have been just different choices. Or just, I'm, I think the kids probably did enjoy it, though it's very surface, that one. I think those kids should be laughing at something slightly wittier. It's really just to punctuate a gag that already exists. But uh, red and, and silver stuff is just, I feel like, a little bit less interesting. They just have to go down the volcano's orifice for want of a better word where all these ice balls are shooting out of this whole sequence is just the culmination of their of their little plan isn't it they're all there to try and destroy the super weapon and they hatch a plan together Mm -hmm. silver taking the lead with the encouragement of red who now realizes that teamwork makes the dream work so their idea is to go into one of the ice balls and then (laughs) launch themselves from the top of the barrel of the super weapon down to the pressure tank and uh, blast that open to stop the lava balls being launched. So it's lava encased in a ball of ice. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't quite work. But then, as mentioned, Mighty Eagle swoops in just a minute of time, but not really to save the day, more to just distract with his gushy apology which doesn't work on Zeta at all. Yeah, he doesn't realise he's there in the nick of time actually, does he? He's just there to bear his heart. Yeah. And Zeta's like, I don't need you, um, which I quite liked. Um, She was like, yeah, I've not been doing this as revenge. I'm like, I'm my own woman now. But it does prove a distraction, so in that time, Chuck can use the super string that was developed by Silver, introduced earlier in the film, which I don't think we've mentioned up until this point. No, it's one of those devices which you think are going to be used throughout, because that's her thing. But no, it's just used at the end here. And the super strain can stop the lava balls from flying off to Bird Island and completely obliterating it. Well, almost. See, this is the thing. Because that string actually does snap, and it's only held in place by a hatchling. And we've not mentioned the hatchlings yet, but now's probably the time. Because this is a very thin, thin plot. And I think much like uh, maybe the Ice Age films, they, it was felt that there needs to be more funny scenes. And so there's this whole B plot with three cute little hatchlings who uh, are little birdies, one of whom is the offspring of uh, Terence and Matilda, and they end up losing three eggs. And we go on a series of adventures 
uh, where they keep thinking they've got hold of the eggs and then lose them again. And, um, you know, I did enjoy these scenes, but I did very much feel that they were completely extraneous and I knew they'll just be some way to shoehorn them together at the end. And so they swoop in at the last minute on the balloon conveniently to catch string as it snaps and thereby stop the the lava balls from going into space. They get the lava balls back inside the machine. Um, but there's about, I don't know, four or five scenes, little little comedy skits with these uh, very, very cute little catchling voices playing with these eggs. I felt they were very superfluous and really just filler. Did you think they were funny, though? Not especially. Did you think they were cute? Not especially. There's some nice moments like the fact that the eggs land on a cloud and Mm. it just stays there, which is good cartoon physics, Mm. I suppose. And they land on an island and they find a snake, which has their eggs. Basically, you hear a brutal beating up. And the three little cute hatchling kids emerge wearing snake skin outfits mm-hmm. and just say, that got dark. And I think the way this film keeps its U certificate is that the snake they appear to have skinned <laughs> returns with a neck brace, seemingly fine. The, the fact that it shows, it proves that the snake survived its uh, assault <laughs> means it gets a U. But it's cute because the snake arrives and it turns out that the eggs that they thought they had saved were actually snake eggs Mm. and there's these baby snakes. (laughs) (laughs) I did get a bit of surprise. Yeah, it was was a nice little scene where you see two eyes inside the little egg and then suddenly a snake pops out. But they talked about, in this interview I saw... um, uh, The director mentioned how they always wanted to do these cutaways... And just add a bit of comic relief, because apparently the main character's stuff was maybe too dramatic, <laughs> um, even with all the other jokes. I can see that. It provides a bit of uh, lightness to it. And I think it's very much those scenes, that, even though this is a kid's film, this is definitely very much targeted at kids in this moment. Because they said when they screened the movie for the kids, this was when they were really on the edge of their seats, was during the hatchling stuff. Mm. So this is like... The real movie for them, like none of the grown-up stuffs with speed dating and jilted at the altar and all this drama. It's just cute little birds going on an adventure. Anyway, so the base explodes. (laughs) The base explodes. I was wondering how this was going to wrap up because Zeta's hubris or Zeta's desire or whatever the hell Zeta wants has caused this entire island to go into meltdown. It looked like Debbie might have been harmed in the destruction of the island. And it's actually a mighty eagle, who we discover is called Ethan, um, is uh, is cradling Debbie. And he goes, Honey Bunny, uh, love of the last one minute of my life. Hmm. Which I thought was a good, a good nod. But he, he, put, he wears his heart at his sleeve. He begs forgiveness. He shows off tattoos he has. Of, of Zeta and uh, himself and she Zeta kind of melts and they decide to put aside their differences and have a wedding which is a fine ending I suppose as I said uh, I think Angry Birds 1 is just, just had was 
just went a bit crazy at the end, and I did enjoy it. I did how did go a bit weird, but this sort of wraps everything up in a kind of a neat little package which you tap to unlock and then you have to wait 20 minutes or pay £1.99 to get another scratch at the flipping thing anyway it just kind of ends I mean Red he is again lauded as a hero but he does the decent thing and say oh it was a team effort and Silver especially came up with the plan to save the day and to commemorate everyone's achievement they have turned the Eagle Mountain from the first film, which got destroyed by an ice ball during the film, they've turned it into some sort of massive Mount Rushmore type thing. <laughs> With birds, not presidents. Because that would have been an unusual way to end the film. This is the story of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they should just change Mount Rushmore into the Sam the Eagle Muppet <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed there hasn't been more graffiti done on Mount Rushmore actually it's Appar- really big apparently it's much smaller than you think oh is it uh, it's not quite as small as depicted in the Truman Show when uh, Jim Carrey sees that the Mount Rushmore is super duper tiny oh, but yeah. apparently it is a l- I've never been I'm just trying to remember what would you North con- by Northwest and but like, that's, that's, that's a film I know but <laughs> like at one point isn't like Cary Grant dangling from a the president's actual... nose. I'm just trying to think of the ratio. Mm. How many Cary Grants make up a Lincoln head? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, until we see an actual human appear in the Angry Birds movie, we don't know how big or small these uh, birds are. I mean, these could be absolutely enormous piggies or totally microscopic. I think I said at the start, I, I've i seen this twice and I liked it a little bit more the second time. I do think the... My just the, the the plot's thrust just gets a little bit just boring. Much like Scottish boffin character in Chicken Run. <laughs> thrust What? Thrust First Thrust Thrust. Alright, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it first. Yeah, it just it just uh, I just might. I really enjoyed watching the castles get destroyed in Angry Birds one, and there's also pigs flying in biplanes, and there's just none of this sort of same dynamic camera work in the latter part of this film. There's a sequence where they uh, are falling off the mighty eagle's mountain, and they're all climbed around or hanging off a map, and uh, that had a bit of the old camera work in there, a bit of the old magic, but. Um, it just seems just a little generic in the latter half. But to compensate, um, I thought it was a lot funnier. So uh, I think it just kind of evens out for me. Um, I think it was a worthy follow-up. And I would still be keen to see a third film with these characters. I think this film is still very much for kids. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want an R-rated An R-rated Angry Birds movie. No, but it knows what it is and that's what it is. And I'm not expected as a grown-ass man to enjoy it on the level of a child. There's quite a bit of it which I find just not for me. (laughs) And that's fine. Because what I think that Thurip von Orman brings to this is much like, say, Jendi Tartarovsky has done with the Hotel Transylvania films, which I have not seen, 
But mm. by all accounts, certainly in the third film, which I hear is the best of the Hotel Transylvania trilogy... Saga. Saga. <laughs> every saga has a beginning. Mm. That's Hotel Transylvania 1. Um, I've seen number one. I thought I thought it was good, actually. It surprised, surprised how good it was. But I think, you know, quote-unquote, saddled with maybe less fulfilling job opportunities and directing maybe franchisey films or Adam Sandler spooky Halloween comedies, they do bring something of their eye and their talent to those movies. And it's all about that kind of energy. And as I said, the physicality, the rubberiness, the tactile qualities that the animation team has done with this film, married with those sensibilities, makes it just a bit stronger than maybe some of the lesser kids' movies out there. I don't think this is quite on the level of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs Hmm. or Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, (laughs) which were both Sony uh, Pictures animations as well. Who did um, The Grinch? I can't remember. I saw The Grinch. I think Illumination. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of an Illumination animation I'm a fan of. Mm. Well, but, Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be Illumination. So. We'll see, crossing our fingers. I wouldn't give this film a strong recommendation. I do think there are certain caveats, and you do have to be prepared that this is basically a silly kids film and it's mostly going to be jokes with music needle drop punchlines or stuff about bums and snot and piss (laughs) (laughs) the usual things that kids like and whatever red was doing which was caught by the drone yeah exactly so it's not a complete recommendation But if you did have to see this film for whatever reason, be it you have kids or doing a podcast, drag to see it, (laughs) or you're on a flight and it's the only film available and you're in flight movie entertainment you haven't seen, you could (laughs) do much worse. Imagine the plane saying, this is your captain speaking, we regret to inform you, the only film we have in our library is Angry Birds 2. (laughs) I think it does a pretty good job with the material that's been given. I still think the first film maybe has a better story and it being the first. It allows you to get to know these characters and maybe that's just a bit more interesting than a follow-up would be anyway. But I agree, this film is probably the better movie and is a little bit funnier. So, yeah, it's a sort of thumbs up (laughs) but one person who has different thoughts on the film Mm -hmm. we did get a comment on our facebook page out of the blue and clearly this person was just searching for angry birds hashtags or tags or whatever but this was before the film came out but still they had this to say and i read verbatim Please, people, if have kids don't take to see this newest preview had lots of cussing in it should rate it r So I think they're trying to say this film should be rated R, like I mentioned earlier. should be rated uh, 18 for all the cussing that was present in the preview. I think this person might have been sniffing glue. Them birds have sass mouths. (laughs) Sassy birds. (laughs) I mean, it's weird that apparently according to Rotten Tomatoes, 
Angry Birds 2 is the highest rated video game movie of all time, even more so than uh, Detective Pikachu from earlier this year. And it's funny because I, yes, this is a video game movie, it is. But I think Angry Birds is sort of more of a brand than a video game at this point. So I don't feel this film was made as a video game movie. If any films are made as video game movies, I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, buddy. Do you know her? What, me? No, no, definitely not. Absolutely not. Never seen her before in my life. Who is that? I don't know. Not terribly convincing. Um, so it'll be, it remains to be seen if it'll be an Angry Birds 3. So maybe we'll return to this in some point in the distant future. Um, but speaking of the future, what are we going to be doing next time on Games of Film? Well, it's going to be a double bill. Ooh. That's another bird pun. It's sort of, yes. <laughs> Birds have bills, some of them. Double What's the difference between a bill and a beak? Yes. Bills are flatter, right? I guess so. Double beak. <laughs> um. It's a trip into virtual reality, which is, I guess, kind of games adjacent. I know mm. we mentioned Angry Birds VR. That's a video game. So that works. That's tenuous enough. Yeah, okay. Good. Fine. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's a double bill of The Lawnmower Man and Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace. We decided to do Lawnmower Man 1 and 2 because the first film takes its name and very little else from a Stephen King short story. And with It Chapter 2, also starring Leonard from the Angry Birds movie 2, Bill Hader. <laughs> oh, it'd be uh, great if Leonard was in just It, just a, just a full-on pig. <laughs> I could turn into a pig! Well, it could be someone's nightmarish reality. Mm. Because that's in cinemas, we thought we might as well do something very tangentially related to it. Mm. But this time in a cyberspace virtual reality mm. realm, so not really connected to video games, but sort of, kind of, because why not? But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with games on film? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at gamesonfilmpod, and we also have our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. All episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so like, rate, review, subscribe, and share with friends and like-minded individuals. You can also contact the show, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com, and I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Do you have anything you'd like to plug, Harry? Um, not really. It's the summer holidays, <laughs> so uh, I'm not doing much, but I'm still um, doing mini-reviews of Star Trek The Next Generation on Instagram. Just search uh, Only Man Who Can on Instagram or the hashtag Make It So Only Man Who Can. Very torturous. Mm-hmm. And you can search for Gamer Distro for video game and music nights in London. We haven't got any events coming up in the immediate future, but follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all the usual places to get the latest on events when they are announced. So that's us done with uh, Bird Island, uh, Piggy Island and Eagle Island. We are now going back to Human Island now 
Thank you so much for listening. Uh, see you again soon. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.